Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Fight Club Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash as always and three fights to cover for you this week. We're going to talk about Virgin Ortiz against Michael McKinson. We're going to talk about um, Dalton Smith winning a British title against Sam Amazon. And I'm going to talk about um, Michael Conlon, Conlon's return against Michael Mariaga. And this is going to be a little, a little odd this week. Uh, um, because as I was watching the fights, you know, um, catching up on the ones I didn't see, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to end up in all three fights talking about how the main guy is a little fussy about range. So, you know, just a little bit fussy about the distance he fights at. I'm not going to, you know, super link between the two. It's different in all three guys. But um, but we've ended up with a common theme for the week. So um, so let's press ahead. I'm going to start with, um, with Ortiz versus McKinson. It's going to be it's going to be Ortiz, then Dalton Smith, then Mickey Conlon, just because Conlon's fight was the least interesting, basically. Um, yeah. So Virgin Ortiz, as you know, anyone who follows me more closely know will already know. You know, I like Ortiz as a fighter. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm a little skeptical on his. Uh, upside in terms of being like an elite fighter he's definitely going to win a world title at some stage i think but um you know where where he'll be on the pound for pound list and all that kind of thing i've always been a bit skeptical of um sort of his last few fights i was thinking you know he's been working on certain things working on improving certain things and then this performance you know he won comfortably he he, he was um clearly a level above mckinson but um but there were several things uh, that did bother me and I'm just going to, you know, I am going to sound harsher on him than I probably should be because, you know, he he does a lot of things well. But but there are weaknesses and, you know, with a fighter like Ortiz, you are thinking about of where he's going to go and where he's going to reach, not just the fight he's in right now. And, uh, and yeah, there were just a few things that I feel like he really needs to fix before he, before he steps up. Um, you know, one thing that is sort of always there with him is one thing I mentioned in the intro uh, is his fussiness about range. Uh, what I mean by that, in his particular case, is he has a tendency. He doesn't particularly like throwing um, when he's not in his perfect range, like at the edge of his, uh, sort of on the edge of the pocket at mid range. He doesn't like throwing at long range. He's got much better about throwing at close range, to be fair. I have to give him this. He's gotten much better at doing it and much better at um, committing to do it. Um, it's how, he, in fact, he won the fight, how he knocked McKinson out. Um, it's by lacing him with body shots in really close. But um, but the, the distance thing, the, the long range thing, was still a problem for him. He was afraid to commit to throwing anything at long range it seemed like and he struggles with the idea of of um throwaway punches of closing distance behind throwaway punches um and there were a few times in the fight you can see it early on um in round two i think was one that uh, particularly stood out to me round two was one where i just saw a lot of a lot of things he was doing wrong anyway so um most of the things i mentioned you can sort of just watch round two and uh, should be able to see what i'm talking about just in there um yeah, he throw he'll throw like a couple of punches while he's trying to close range of McKinson, and then if it doesn't work, he'll just give up and he'll just carry on trying to get close, just kind of 
bear without a jab really you know his jab in this fight was terrible i'm going to get onto that next but um you know he'll whiff one punch and then he'll be like okay i'm never throwing a punch at this range again he, he will give up on the idea of um of being a threat at long range and it's just kind of it it limits him um you know mckinton is a guy who he isn't a particularly competitive fighter that's a sound strange thing to say he isn't in your face or anything so mckinton wasn't going to McKinson wasn't going to use that against him in the way some other fighters will. Um, if you see what I'm saying, you know, if you can commit, convince a fighter not to, not to be a threat at long range because he's worried that you're going to, you know, if you slide back, he's going to miss. He's he's going to be worried about that. Obviously, missing is a problem, and you you want to cover yourself from punishment, but never, you know, just following and not throwing is in itself a problem because it just gives your opponent, you know, McKinson kind of had an extra, just had extra time to think and move and plan everything because he pretty much knew that before a certain range, there wasn't going to be anything coming at him really. Um, And so he could just kind of pop out a jab and disappear and he knew he'd be safe. You know, if he was fast enough, he'd be safe. And yeah, in this fight, you know, McKinson wasn't, he didn't have enough tools or power or threat at range himself to to have really taken advantage of that. But as he steps up to the real world level, McKinson was better than I thought he was going to be. Like full credit for to him. He he was better. He's better fighter than I thought he was going to be. But he he's not. You know, he's not a test in comparison to the top fighters in the division. And it's just something Ortiz has to work on. Um, and you know, like I say, he's working on it. He's much better in close, but he does have to. He has to be balanced because he can't just throw willy nilly, obviously, and that's what he's trying to avoid. But um, but but yeah, he has to. He has to find a balance. And one thing that he can do to work on finding that balance is make his jab way better. Because frankly, his jab in this fight, and I don't understand why really. Because I mean, it's never been a standout punch, but I don't remember it being this bad. Because in this fight, his jab was so bad, so un. It was slow and sloppy and wasn't really landing, you know, when, you know, not all jabs have to have power, but, um, but it ended up being a range fighting punch for McKinson. There was an unbelievable amount of times throughout the fight that McKinson launched his attacks off Ortiz's jab. Like that was almost where most of his first work came from. Ortiz would throw out a jab and McKinson would come behind it. And, you know, there's obviously multiple reasons why that's a problem. The first is that if you're throwing a jab and your opponent's coming behind it, um, you know, that often you have to be... If you're a fighter as good as Ortiz is, and he is, you have to have something ready coming down the pipe to intercept the guy coming in behind your jab. But, like, he knew after two rounds, two or three rounds, he should have known it was coming. And you have to have a counter coming down the middle to to deal with it and he just didn't he didn't he didn't deal with it but also just the fact that he that the jab was so sloppy that he was able to do it on its own was you know it was a bit baffling and it's definitely concerning i don't know if he was reacting to the fact that it was a southpaw mat you know southpaw of the lost matchup that was an open stance but his you know mckinson's not the only southpaw he's going to face in his career and he's not the best that he's going to face in his career either so if that was it, then he he definitely has to work work that out, work out whatever was going on with his jab, and stop it, stop it, stop it, Virgil. 
And so, yeah, and, you know, that combination of things, that combination of the jab being not great and Ortiz really not threatening until he was inside his the line that he needed to be in, just gave um, just gave McKinson more, much more time to work at distance and. It wasn't even work at distance. It was like people talked about online a bit about it was a bit surprising how much McKinson did exchange in the pocket. And I think, you know, that did come from he wasn't threatened as much as he thought he was going to be. And so he could choose when to engage. You know, ultimately, I'm not not necessarily sure it was a good idea because once he is in the pocket, Ortiz is, you know, humongously dangerous fighter who's improving all the time in that particular area. But um, but it happened pretty often that McKinson was able to enter the exchange on his terms. And it was only when he didn't leave fast enough, which was, you know, often enough, that he started getting pushed around and rattled and um, shoved back. And again, against McKinson, you know, Fine, and you know I don't want to be too disparaging on McKinson. It was good, good, good opponent. But um, you know, people talking about him facing potentially someone like Keith Thurman next. Is he going to get into that kind of range enough to punish him for it? You know, it's just this is a level we we, we talk about. What is I, I sound ungenerous? I feel, I feel ungenerous. You know, he won. I'm going to talk about the good things at the end. You know, don't don't worry. I'm not going to just slag him off all the time. But um. But yeah, <laughs> by that you can clearly tell. There's a couple more things I'm going to talk about, and uh, the main one, and this is a problem that he's had for you know a long time, and he really has to work it out. His guard, his high guard, is just not good. It's not. It's wide. It's somehow he managed to to keep it really wide, so he's really open down the middle, and McKinson really did just kind of smack him, smack him with shots straight down the pipe on numerous occasions. But at the same time, it doesn't really protect his. It, like the sides of his head either because McKinton was able to come around the top of especially of I think it was yeah of Ortiz's left hand McKinton was coming around that side far too often for my money and um, and again you know that's going to be an issue for him like it's a, he's got a high guard that doesn't really protect him when you're the dominant attacking force when you're the guy that your opponent is wary of you can get away with that. If you're in even exchanges or being pushed back all the time, it's going to be a problem for you. But okay, let's talk about the good things because, you know, clearly there were some. Um, Ortiz, um, Ortiz knocked himself for not working the body enough and for headhunting during the fight. And well, maybe to some extent that's true because, you know, he was going for the head, but... Um, but it was hitting the body throughout, like it wasn't like that wasn't happening. So, so that was, um, you know, that's a thing that even if he thinks he needs to work on more, he's just a really devastating body puncher, just a devastating puncher in general. Now, the, the, but the main thing is, especially when he got into the clinch, he worked the body and the head. There was one, I forget the exact round it was, but there was one moment earlier on where. They got really close, and then he threw a shot up above, up high, and knocked out the mouthpiece. And that was a good, really good damaging shot. And so that kind of thing, I feel like if Ortiz committed to that kind of thing more, 
And I think that's one of the reasons I think he's fussy about range. He's getting better at this sort of thing in close, but he wasn't forcing it. There's McKinton who was coming in and forcing it. And I think Ortiz is good enough and dangerous enough in there that he should be he should be more relentlessly trying to really close distance instead of, you know, he'll accept it now when it when it gets in close. But um he still wants to be at that sort of mid range, the sort of edge of the pocket. And you know, he's great there, he's devastating there, but um but if you can smother your opponent's work and still throw yours, which at the moment he can you know, I would love to see at least a little bit more of that from him. And that's, you know, that's something you can take in the sense that um, I think a few fights ago, I wouldn't have thought him really being able to do that. You know, I tended to think he used to fall in, you know, once he was past that perfect area of where he loves to be, he would tend to sort of fall in and not be very useful in the clinch. Now now he knows how to protect himself in there. He knows how to throw in there. So that's an area he's he's improved on. And you know the the end was the end was pretty clear. McKinson uh, took it, he was clearly injured in some weird way. He claims the shot caught him on the hip. It didn't look low, um, but it clearly did some kind of physical damage more than just a liver shot or whatever. You know it was a McKinson was limping really badly at the uh, he got knocked down at the end of round eight, and that in itself that in itself was almost a delayed reaction because he got hit with a left hook to the body about 10 seconds before the shot that sent him down and you could see it really froze him up like in the eighth round until then he'd been moving pretty well um he'd uh yeah he, he was looking pretty starting to look a bit confident really and uh, you know as the commentators pointed out uh but um and ortiz at this point he did he started to commit to the pressure he wasn't, you know, this is, you know, where you have you have to take my criticism of the pinch of salt because Ortiz wasn't committing to as many punches as I would necessarily like to see from him. But the ones he did pick clearly worked. And so he threw a left hook in to, um, obviously, to McKinson's right side and it froze him up. Like, it really took the wind out of his sails. He didn't go down then, but... Um, but I think that was a shot that really opened the end and he was much more vulnerable, much more, much less mobile after that. And about 10 seconds later, with 30 seconds to go in the round, he got clipped by a much more skimmed shot. Like it wasn't, it was much less clean, but, um, but it dropped him. And then he got up and he just about recovered. He just about got to the end of the round. But his movement was clearly impaired. And when he came out for the ninth, he was clearly not moving properly, he clearly wasn't walking properly, and uh, he got touched, like he got tapped on that same side. And, you know, he took like two steps and then he went down. And he met, he recovered, he got up, but um, his corner was by that point waving the towel. He was clearly, like, after that third shot, uh, the beginning of the ninth, he was pretty much just limping around and his corner threw in the towel. And after they threw in the towel, he was hopping. So there was some kind of injury, like whatever the shot did. Uh, it injured his leg in some way. He claims it landed on the hip, which is technically a low blow. You know, it's one of those where a shot landed clean on the clean, you know, clean on the waist may sort of clip. The, you know, it's, it's it's a bit with the size of the boxing glove. It's a bit difficult to tell sometimes. Is what I'm saying there, but it looks clean. The shot didn't look illegal or anything, but um, but it clearly did some kind of injury. And yeah, you know, it was, it was ultimately, you know, it's not the, uh, the fights we want Ortiz to be fighting, but McKinson did look better than we thought, or not, that I thought he was going to. Um, so, you know, props to him for getting through that and for 
you know, like I say, I have criticisms of him, but um, clearly, even some of the things I'm directly criticising him for, of, you know, not throwing enough at his closing range, um, it let him pick the right punches and he found the shots he needed. Uh, so, you know, he's clearly doing something right to this level. So, yeah, you know, good for him. You know, I'm still a little sceptical. I, I like I like Virgil Ortiz. Uh, I like watching him fight and I like... I like his personality and I like how he presents himself. You know, he he's not boring or anything. Like, he was really, um, really digging out some interviews and stuff on Twitter. Um, you know, he'll stand his ground, but he's not arrogant. And, you know, after the fight, he was really, like, focusing on what he can do better. Um, you know, like, I think he was focusing on not necessarily the right things, but uh, firstly, it's a good, a good attitude to have anyway. And secondly... You know, he was just, well, secondly, he was just after the fight and may need to sit down and go through. And thirdly, I might be wrong. You know, I, I think I'm pretty good at this, but, um, but, uh, you know, not, you know, like I say, there's, there's room for me to, well, there's firstly, there's room for me to be an error. And this, secondly, there's room for Ortiz to improve the things he thinks he needs to improve and, uh, you know, work around the other stuff. But anyway, yeah, that was uh, that. It wasn't, you know, it's, um, it's not a fight I'm going to go you know, into a huge level of detail on because it was a fight Ortiz was always expected to win and he did. But, um, you know, I'm just hoping for for a stronger opponent next time and someone who can really test Ortiz and really go to war with Ortiz, hopefully. Um, and then we'll really see what he's about. Because um, he's clearly good. He's clearly he's clearly a world-level fighter. Um, but um, how he does against other world-level fighters it yet remains to be seen. So... So let's hope for that. And McKinson, you know, he's in an odd spot because he kind of jumped a few levels to get here and he doesn't want to go back down the levels. He doesn't want to fight at British level again. But, um, I mean, he didn't really fight much at British level anyway. And I mean, that's because British level at 147 is currently not not very strong. But like, um, you know, he hasn't fought Conor Bairn, obviously. He hasn't fought um, Echo Esselman. He hasn't fought Tyron McKenna. You know, I think he beats McKenna, but uh, like the people sort of above him, above where he is kind of being, you know, kind of above the British level. Is he going to beat Ratzab Butayev? You know, David Avanesian. You know, I'm not hugely sold on Avanesian, but uh, Stanionis he just isn't ready for. You know, Conor Ben would be a great fight, but that's not really a British. Well, it is a British fight. You know, Ben hasn't proved himself hugely above world level apart from in power, but yeah, um, that's not happening. Um, yeah, it's just either, he's in an odd spot, is you know, Malcolm McKinson. There's, the division's in an odd place, and uh, you know, I don't really know where he's going to go next. Hopefully, he gets something good out of it. You know, he he took the risk, he took the gamble, and like I said, he showed himself better to, than we thought he would be. And that I hope it proves good for him and not doesn't turn him into a who needs him type fighter. Um, you know, yeah, we'll see. But okay, that's about all I can really say about that fight. So I'm going to move on to Lawton Smith against Sam O'Mazon. And that was for a British title. Um, it should be noted that Sam O'Mazon hasn't really, you know, he's not one of those, he's not one of those guys who's been around at British level, winning at British level for, you know, proving himself there for ages. He's lost, he lost to Cade Prosper. He's lost a few fights. Um, this was his fourth and you know, he hasn't won British title. He's lost, he drew and lost to English level. So he kind of got pulled out at, um, pulled out of nowhere. I think he was a late replacement. He was met, kind of, um, Smith was supposed to fight, um, 
Akeem Ennis Brown, I think it was. And Ennis Brown decided against that. And so they brought in Amazon to fight him for this British title. Um, I don't know how, you know, I don't think it was that short notice, but it was pretty a pretty big level jump. So it's kind of hard to, you know, really say, you know, it's a British level fight, it's a British title fight, but it's really hard to say how, how uh, Walter Smith would fare at British, British level. Especially in this division. This is £140, by the way. Um, and in contrast to £147, British level, this... Uh, in this division is really strong you know um, Akeem Ennis Brown who sort of didn't take this fight um, Sam Maxwell uh, Lewis Ritson, Robbie Davies Jr O'Hara Davies is up there, Jack Catterall obviously Josh Taylor's at the top but he'll be leaving the division but you know it's a really strong division people around him um, I'm not familiar with Casey Benjamin, I'm just looking at boxers now but um, Jack Crafty I've seen um, I think I remember being, being pretty good at you know, I'm not going to go into a deep, in-depth uh, thing. Adam Azim is, on, is coming up fast. Um, he's uh, 5 and 0. He's 20. Adam Azim is really good. And um, this is, you know, I'm going to... Um, it puts... It puts Dalton Smith in an odd position because they, they're not going to want to fight for the British title, I would have thought. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll go, OK, Proxmoot fight, whatever, let's go. But I imagine they will want to get them both sort of higher up... Um, more visible before they make them fight. But um, Adam Azim is coming so fast that he will probably want to fight for the British title maybe within the year. And Dalton Smith has to get something done at that level and then you know prove something at that level and then move on up before Adam, Adam Azim comes to that title. Maybe they'll go another route. Maybe they'll, uh, they'll go for European or something like that. One, you know, one or the other. Um, maybe they will fight for it. That, you know, that would be great. Um, and maybe, maybe Adam Azim isn't as good as I think. Um, but yeah, um, Dalton Smith has won the British title. He's an interesting fighter to watch because he frustrates people. And you know, this is why uh, I said you know fussiness about range and stuff. Um, the thing about Dalton Smith is he will press and push forward and have his jab out all the time. Um, but he rarely engage. Like he, when he comes into an engage in close, he will disengage immediately. He'll throw two or three punches max, and then disengage imme- immediately. He works. He makes his living off the one-two. His right hand thrown usually once, sometimes twice, is his bread and butter. Um, and you know that raises concerns with some people. Is you know why is he so oddly cautious for a fighter who is clearly by nature pretty aggressive he's a pressure fighter you know there's no there's no no other way of putting it he's a pressure fighter he comes forward he's uh he's putting it on his opponents he wants to knock them out but he's quite cautious and so you know the root of concern is his chin is he not convinced by his defense in close um you know whatever it is he's clearly aware of it that's a good sign like he doesn't need himself exposed to be hit but but um but it is a thing to wonder about. But what is really good with him, what he's really good at, and, um, you know, I'm saying, you know, Amazon's uh, not at the level of a British fight, but it's still, you know, he's not taking a step down from where he was before. Um, so he was proving it, you know, he wasn't just beating up a guy that he's always, you know, that he, uh, below the level of where he was going. Um, 
What Dalton Smith is really good at is even when he's only using his right hand, he throws it with incredible variation. Like he's, um, you know, I said it, I think, on Twitter, either on Twitter or a bad left hook, um, possibly both. Um, he really does throw, the, when he's throwing the one two or the right hand, he has more variation in that one shot, that one straight right, than a lot of fighters do in their whole arsenal of punches. Like, um, He'll vary the timing, he'll vary the aim, he'll vary you know, the timing between the jab and the and the overhand. He'll vary the arc of the punch a little bit, you know, it's always a straight right. It's not always a straight right, so he does throw hooks and things as well. But um, when it's a straight right, you know, it's a straight right, but there's different, you know, variations in it. He'll take a little step to the side and throw it from there, like he'll come in at different angles throwing it. And he's just, you know, that just really puts opponents, you know, it makes it difficult for opponents to deal with because, you know, they think they're dealing with one punch but they're dealing with a whole array of punches and the other good thing that he does is he racks it up as it goes along and this, you know, this is part of why it's kind of difficult to go get a read on where he is exactly because he doesn't do anything that he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't need to do he doesn't, uh, um, he introduces things slowly so he, his opponents get used to him coming with the jab, then he starts popping up that right hand, but just every so often. And then he'll start cranking the pressure and throwing it in more different ways and more often. And then eventually, you know, he will start uh, bringing the left after it and then he'll, um, he'll start throwing more combinations. So it may well be that when he feels the need, he is going to start, you know, throwing combinations, moving back and forth, sitting in there a little bit longer to get the job done. Like it might just be that he doesn't want to show his hand or he doesn't want to leave himself vulnerable for no good reason, even though, you know, even if he doesn't have, even if he is confident in his ability to, to do that when he needs to. So we don't really know. Um, but it is, you know, it is entertaining to watch, you know, pe you know, it's, it's fair to say that he can go, okay, he could, uh, he could crank up the pressure faster and get his guys out of there faster, which isn't you know unfair because there were a few times he hurt Amazon, you know earlier in the fight and um, got knocked down to before, and he just didn't really, you know he he just backed off. He, he hurt him really badly and then just backed off and let him you know saw, see what was what and uh, and then started you know pushing again, pushing again, and th you know there were fighters that would have just jumped on him then and finished him then and if Dalton Smith had done that he almost certainly would have got the win earlier so it's fair to say and you know um, harking back to version Ortiz in some ways what was happening was not dissimilar it wasn't it was not a dissimilar sort of matchup it was the power punching guy in uh against a sort of back foot um opponent with you know some tendency to come forward it was an open starts matchup in this instance it's Dalton Smith who's the uh is the orthodox guy and uh well yeah again it's the orthodox guy <laughs> against uh against the southpaw backfoot fighter and uh there was a certain amount of of daughter smith you know he also doesn't uh he doesn't throw that much until he's throwing again you know at the different range some of the reason i didn't find that as much of an issue with smith is well firstly it's the level he's fighting at and it wasn't you know and Maison wasn't making as much use of that of as uh, as um, as McKinston was, but also I think um, when he did try to make use of it, um, Smith did have the counters ready. Like um, he wasn't throwing a lot, and um, occasionally Amazon would get uh, would you know take 
take heart from that and try to throw something and then he get clattered. Uh, he didn't have a free, he didn't have free range to do, to come at Smith just because Smith wasn't throwing anything really, really as he came forward, you know, be, before he was good and ready. So he has that same, you know, like I said at the beginning, he does have a fussiness about range. He is very pernickety about when it, where he throws, but I think, and you know, like I say, there's levels to this. Um, I think he's more ready for guys to jump at him than Ortiz is. He's also, yeah, he's, um, I'm not going to say he's more powerful as Ortiz, it's really fucking hard. Um, I think he's more focused, he's more, he has a clear plan for what he's trying to do. Ortiz afterwards was himself frustrated that he was just kind of winging, you know, he thought he saw an opening and he was just kind of aiming for the head. Whereas um, I think Smith is more specifically planning, and again, I'm not playing Dr. Smith is right now where version Ortiz is as a fighter. Um, you know, the levels of hype are different, although Smith is clearly very hyped, including by me. But um But just in their styles, you know, I think Ortiz is about getting in close and letting go and seeing what happens, whereas I think Smith is Yeah, I think he's planning his route, he's moving to put his opponents into a certain position so he can throw that right hand. And again, because he is cranking up the pressure as he goes along, later on it becomes a right hand and a left and a right, you know, it becomes it becomes combinations. Um, and I think that is part of it. He is just holding things back. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. I would really like him to fight a true British level fight next, because like I say, you know, no disrespect to Sam Amazon. You know, full credit for him to him for taking this fight, and um, you know, you know, he did, he did what he, you know, what he could. He didn't, me- he didn't melt or give up or, you know, just take the easy way out. He he tried to win. He did what he, he did what he was able to do. Walter Smith is clearly a you know very high level prospect, uh, one of the best prospects in British boxing at the moment, and you know, he was he was always expected to win. You know, much like. Virgin Ortiz versus uh, McKinson. Um, Daughter Smith was always expected to win, and he did. You know, I would like to see him really, like I say, really take on the British level fights. Um, hopefully, having this title will persuade them to step in with him because he was at the, as to a certain point, there was a certain amount of. Um, he isn't big and popular enough to risk taking him on for. A British belt when you could try to win the British belt against someone else or you know defend it against someone else. Now that he's got it, hopefully some of those guys will want to take him on. You know, if not, he'll have to he'll have to move pretty rapidly. And like I say, it's a very strong division. There's a lot of good fights to be made, which is also good in terms of testing him for world level because um because there's a lot of fights that he you know he may or may not win. And if he wins them, he earns he gets good good experience as he moves up. And if he loses them, you know we've got good fighter who who has good fights even if he doesn't reach world level you know that's the like I said last last time that's a great thing about British level British boxing um, but yeah okay Dalton Smith not, again not too much more to say about this because uh, because it was quite a one-sided fight but um, you know look look at look out for him look out for his uh, magnificently varied straight right hand 
you know, look up the fight. It's on DAZN if you've got it. If you haven't got it, it's probably somewhere else too. But um, yeah, he's he's good. You should have watched him. Um, and the last fight I'm going to talk about this week is Michael Conlon against Miguel Mariaga. And the reason I'm leaving it to last is because it was at least... Um, it was at least exciting, at least interesting. Even though Conlon did get a few knockdowns and stuff. Um, in this instance, I understand his skittishness completely fully. I understand his fussiness about rage, to you know, repeat the phrase from earlier. Um, I understand it completely fully. He got himself into a war last time, and it was a fight he had been winning, and he got clawed back, and he lost. And so he decided, okay, this time, I'm just going to box my way to victory. I'm going to, you know... If, if the opportunity comes out, I'm going to take it, I'll take it, but other than that, I'm just going to go for a points victory. I don't need to be exciting, I don't need a war, this is what I'm going to do. And he did, and Mariaga couldn't let his hands go, like he couldn't find a way to to really do anything for most of the fight, and so Conlon just kind of pointed him to a you know pretty easy decision victory. Like I said, there were three knockdowns in the 7th, 8th and ninth rounds, but uh, they were all weird. Um, it feels like Mariaga, he had something with his balance, possibly with his shoes. It looked like he was slip-sliding all over the place. So there was something wrong with his footing. Um, and I think that was the case from early on. Um, and I think it contributed to all three knockdowns. It was one of those fights, um, you know, Scott and Radliff took in his fight review, review said, you know, normally a fight with three knockdowns is exciting, and this just wasn't. It just wasn't. It wasn't an exciting fight, and I don't necessarily recommend you, <laughs> you watch it. Um, you know, full disclosure, I did not watch the whole thing. I didn't feel the need to, you know, like, I'm not breaking it down in minute detail. It just wasn't that interesting. It was a comeback fight for, for Conlon, which, you know, fair enough. He got knocked brutally the fuck out in a fight of the year contender earlier in the year like he didn't this is a perfectly fine fight for a comeback from that but it wasn't I mean, it wasn't particularly interesting in the build-up and it wasn't interesting to watch uh you know and the note of concern is that towards the end mariaga did kind of start closing the range on him again suggesting that uh you know conan isn't as you know he he needs to keep that distance to feel himself safe and he kind of didn't towards the end and he started showing some of those issues that got him in trouble against wood uh, you know it, it never came close to losing in the fight in this instance um, but it, this wasn't a fight designed to do that and so and you know you did start to see him sort of that head movement that uh that upper body movement, that guard, that, you know, I talk about him only having a couple of layers and then it falls apart. It started to come into, you know, he doesn't seem to have fixed it. His response to that problem was, I'm just going to stay at range. And that's great. If you can get really, really good at staying at range, fine, you'll be you'll be fine. But, um, but eventually you're going to come against someone who can close range on you and then you're going to have a problem. And, um, yeah, I... Honestly, you know, it wasn't a bad performance by Conlon by any means. It wasn't a bad comeback fight. It was fine. But I don't think it uh, it puts him in any in any real stead. Like, it doesn't... You don't look at this performance and go, oh, yeah, he's ready to take on the world now. You know, would he beat Lee Wood if they fight Lee Wood if they fight again? He may well beat Lee Wood. He almost beat Lee Wood the first time. It was a really strong combat performance but it was also you know a wonder knockout that isn't going to happen 
necessarily every time, although like I say, Colin O'Stone just kind of lean himself towards that. Um, but you know, he doesn't have to improve at keeping the distance that much to get to keep Lee Wood away for long enough. You know, he could win a rematch, but even if he wins a rematch, then he'll have to move on to other fighters and he has to work on that um, more layers of defence. He has to work on on the on his escapes and all of that kind of thing. And you know, we just didn't see enough of that of that here to know whether for sure whether he hasn't but also yeah it was just you know I'm not going to pretend it wasn't an interesting fight I watched a fair portion but not the whole thing I was unenthused um, you know I've never been a huge fan of Michael Conlon um, you, you know you do have to sometimes you know even fighters you don't enjoy will sometimes have great wars which Mickey Conlon has it's in the front run of fight of the year, so you know this could have turned out to be something. But you know, coming into the fight, he was full on saying, you know, I'm not interested in another fight of the year contender. I don't care, and you know that's that's his prerogative. I am absolutely not critical of fighters fighting the way they need to fight to win. I don't necessarily want to have to uh, have to want to watch them. And in this instance, you know, I will watch Michael Conlon when he's in a fight that I think he's going to not even necessarily going to lose. I think he's going to be competitive. I will watch him in those fights, those big relevant fights. You know, obviously I'll watch him in both of his fights because I'm going to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, he's not a fan-friendly fighter in that sense most of the time. Um, and where he goes from here, you know, it's he wants a revenge fight with Lee Wood. He has other options. It's, uh, it's again, another strong division. The problem that I think he has, if he wants to win a world title, is that the guys towards the top of the division, or even like a little bit above him, they're all guys who are good at pressing, and he will have to either improve that one I'm talking about, the defence in close, or improve his keeping range game. You know, even Josh Warrington, who you know has had a bit of a slip and isn't maybe the fighter he was three or four years ago, but he would be perfectly suited to exploit those weaknesses. You know, Lee Wood, we already saw. Mauricio Lara, um, you know, I'm sceptical of him, but he doesn't have to close on you much to knock you the fuck out. Um, Emmanuel Navarrete, like, he isn't a pressure fighter as such, but, well, I mean, he does push forward, but how is Conlon going to land anything on him at all without getting fucking clattered? You know, Gary Russell, okay, whatever. Um, you know, but those guys, and the top is fight for Corona Vargas, you know. Conlon's got to fight through that to win a title. He has to. Be, he has to be better than I think he looked at the weekend. He has to work even more keenly. And I have no doubt that he was in the gym. You know, I have no doubts about his professionalism and all of that stuff. Like I've got no doubts that he's really going for it. But some, you know, it's just something not, not quite. You know, I just don't think he's that that high a level of a fighter to be honest. And whether he will be. You know, I don't want to write him off. He's he's got the pedigree. He's got a good coach. He's got all of that stuff, and he's got talent. He's he's not a bad fighter. He's in a really strong division. In other divisions, I'd be like, you know, yeah, he probably will win a world title at some point. In this division, it's just really strong, and you know, he may win a world title. He'll he's also not old. Um, he'll be around for a while, but um, I mean, he's thirty, so he's not that young. But uh, you know, I mean, his career is one worth keeping an eye out for. You won't necessarily be interested in every single one of his fights. Again, 
I didn't enjoy this fight and and I didn't think it was uh, divisionally relevant, so I'm not going to go into depth, but it was just one of those things um, where, you know, it's worth, you know, it was worth mentioning and, yeah, like I said, we've got the theme of the week, fighters who are kind of a bit edgy about getting in close. And, you know, let's be fair, we've got uh, th- three views on that where with Virgil Ortiz I don't think it has anything to do with the chin I just think it has to do with how he's coached and you know he's trained to be precise about when and how he throws and sometimes it comes out a bit um for my taste a bit timid is the wrong word a bit um hesitant Dalton Smith it's hard to say he may be protecting his chin he may just be doing the same thing that a Ortiz is, he may just be tactically planning, um, it's hard to say. Michael Conlon just absolutely definitely knows that he got knocked out the fuck out last time and he doesn't want to do it again. It, he's always been like this, to be fair, but, you know, it's fair's fair. Fight how you need to. Um, yeah, okay. Next week is not a good week at all. There is one fight next week, if I recall correctly. I mean, more fights. It's, uh, it's a whole card, but it's... Uh, one, there's one relevant, really big card, and it's uh, Teofimo Lopez versus Pedro Campa, so his comeback fight, and Alexander Zayas is fighting Elias Espadas. I don't know how good Espadas is, but it's a turnarounder, and Zayas is really cool, so, you know, that's one to look out for. There's a couple of other thing, uh, things going on on that card. You know, I won't promise a preview like I said last week. I said I was going to do one, and then I didn't, but um, I'm never going to promise it in this instance. You know, the list going on, the more likely I am to be able to get a preview done, so so whatever. But um, the week after that is Usyk versus Joshua. Um, so, well, I won't be doing anything on Usyk Joshua versus Joshua this week, but the podcast next week may have something to say about that as a preview. We'll see. But um, I will see you then. Follow me at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Um, read us on the fight site. Join our patron. We're gearing up, doing more stuff now for all you know, all the fighting sports. And uh, join join us on our Discord where we, you know, talk shit, shoot the shit, talk shit, shoot the shit about you know fight sports and everything else. And you know, I will see you next week. <laughs>